0: All right, welcome here everybody. We're obviously in a new space um, just for today and we're throwing it back to an overhead transparency projector. So you can all be pumped about that. Um, If you you can't quite see the words, all of these songs are at least 20 years old. So hopefully most people know them, (laughs) 10 to 20. So let's start with singing some, some old favorites. So we'll start with, I will not be shaken. So I'll let Ron, I'll maybe actually wait for Ron to uh, come back because he's the overhead guy. He's here. All right. Yeah. Okay, let's sing. I will declare my choice to the nation. our Sunday school picnic which we haven't been able to do for a couple years so this is very special even with the rain we're very excited so you can anticipate some fun um, not lawn games but just kind of you know some crokinole some washer toss bean bag toss later um, but for now we're just excited to worship together um, and then we can enjoy worshiping after as well through food and through your fun so let's pray and then we'll Thank you, Lord, for, for everyone who's here. Thank you also for the people who are unable to make it. Um, and we just pray that we would have a spirit of joy and of connection this morning, that we can just enjoy your presence and the presence of each other. I pray for everyone who has been involved with getting this Sunday ready, and I pray that you would just um, bless them and we thank thank them so much for all of the, the work that they've done. Um, so as we worship together, we just pray that, any distraction, any insecurity, any shame would just fall away and that we can just be present here and admit that we need you, admit that we need forgiveness and be able to move forward with, um, with grace and joy. Let's sing every move I make. So for this next song, I've got peace like a river. It's not written on the slide, but the very last verse will be combining. I've got peace like a river, love like an ocean, and joy like a fountain. So you can just follow along with us at the very end, and we'll be combining all of it for verse four. do you have your Bibles on you, you can turn to Psalm 34. If not, you can just listen and follow along. Psalm 34, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned.
1: Morning. Oh, there we are. Happy Sunday School Picnic. You can tell it's Sunday School Picnic because I'm preaching in shorts. Don't worry. I'm just as uncomfortable as you are. So let's first pray to dismiss little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you once again for each and every one of the children in our congregation. We pray that as they go to Children's Church now, they will find themselves met with a wonderful time learning about you. We pray also for the teacher, give them the words to say. And we pray a blessing upon our service this morning. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Now I'm doing the exact opposite of what I normally did. Children's church, that way, then that way. All right. If you have your bulletin on you, also, it's Communion Sunday, so if you haven't picked up one of these yet, you can get one at the entrance. Uh, but if you have your bulletin on you, there's a number of things uh, to go over there. First, Wednesday, 7 p.m., prayer meeting at the church. Uh, Wednesday, 7 p.m., also you. Wind up, meet at Dawson and Bethany's to carpool, and then bring money for ice cream. That sounds like a wonderful time. Uh, Sunday, 10:45 next weekend is worship service. Tyson Murray is going to be with us sharing, so look forward to that. Um, then, if we skip on down, the uh, today is the last day of the EMC festival. They are meeting together to worship this morning, and then they're dispersing to their corners of the country uh so that is uh it was a good well i'll get to that in a little bit and then also june 26th is the mcgregor interdenominational community service uh so that is going to be in the arena and it's going to be at ten thirty so uh make sure to make note of that ten thirty at the arena uh, apart from that there are some phone number corrections you can see there so Take this home with you. Write them down on the bottom of your list of all of the phone numbers. And that is good for announcements. Anybody else have any announcements? All right. Then, hopping over to prayer items. We want to pray for our new uh, series that is going to be coming up during the summer. We are going to be spending the summer in the Psalms. Uh, It sounds nice, doesn't it? Summer in the Psalms. Uh, And so we want to pray for that, that God speaks through that series, that we learn new and wonderful things about him. Uh, Also, uh, we are wanting to pray for Valley View and Circle Square as they are continuing to search for staff. Uh, I was at Valley View this past week, and they are still a number of staff short. They are afraid they're going to have to start turning away uh, campers, and so we want to pray that God taps Uh, the people that need to be up there this summer on the shoulder. Uh, Also, the EMC Festival, as I said, it it ends today. It was a good festival uh, from what I managed to attend, which was Ministerial and Conference Council and a couple other things yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to take too much of the thunder away from our representatives, but the one thing that we can definitely all pray about is, is that the vote was taken and the EMC is going to be adding Southern Spain to its list of mission fields kind of right outside of Gibraltar there And so we're going to want to pray as they get all of the pieces into place in that as well as the missionaries going over there And that it is a fruitful mission. So that is Spain So with all of those things said, let's go into a time of prayer God we come before you this morning thankful for days like this Lord we thank you for days when we can come together in a different kind of way, a fun kind of way where we can remember the years gone by and also just praise you in a different way. Lord, I personally thank you for every one of the people that is in this room right now as well. The Sunday School Picnic is the end of the Sunday School year and a time for looking back on all of the months that came before. And when I think back to the months that came before, Lord, I thank you for each and every one of these people. I pray that you be with them over the years to come and you bless them on their way. And God, we also wanna pray for the summer that is to come. We wanna pray for the summer in the Psalms series. Lord, the Psalms are a wonderful place to hear of your glory, to hear of your love and your protection. And also to hear of your justice and so Lord we pray as we go through the Psalms this summer that you open our eyes to new things about you that we never knew before God we pray that you open our hearts to a relationship with you that we didn't know could go as deep as it can and God I also pray for myself Give me the words that I need to speak as we go through that series. We wanna also pray for the camps this summer, for Valley View and also for Circle Square as they have these staff shortages. God, we pray help them to find the staff that they need. Help them to find the counselors they need. Help them to find the kitchen staff that they need and the admin staff that they need and the staff that will just do everything that they get to have filled. God, it is wonderful what they do, building your kingdom, sharing your gospel, teaching the next generation about who you are. And so, God, we pray that they can do that full tilt. So, Lord, we pray, tap on the shoulders everybody who is to find their way up there this summer and see them on their way. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning, and we pray to place them at your feet. And most of all, we praise your name. Amen. Well, just like the awkward shorts, I was trying to think of what is it that I would normally speak of at a Sunday school picnic, because it's been three years. I don't always have the best of memories what even goes on a couple days ago, let alone three years ago. And so I went digging through my notes, and what is it that I found? I found a title that is going to bring joy to a handful of you and shudders to the rest. Pastor Russell's interesting Bible facts from the cutting room floor. For those of you who do not know what that is, over the year, what I do when I write a sermon is is I put in everything that I need in order to make a, a strong and powerful sermon, as I feel at that time. But at the same time, you also want to cut out all of the the things that are not going to be doing stuff, all of the things that are not going to be feeding that end. And they are interesting facts in and of themselves, but they just end up being more rabbit trails than anything. It's one of the things I love about the Bible, as I'm sure many of you do too. Every time you dig into it, you can always find that next layer, that next thing that just brings stuff alive in ways that you never thought possible. But unfortunately, you can only put too much, so much stuff into a Sunday morning. And so it largely just falls by the wayside waiting for us to come to the passage again in the future. And so that is what this series is about. It's about taking a few of those fun facts, fun Bible facts, and then it's about getting to share them with you all this morning. It's largely a path it's largely a sermon for me. I will say that much, but at the same time I do love writing them. Uh, And I will also say I largely do it just from memory. This is not actually a script in front of me. These are just notes. So if you all of a sudden see that I'm off staring into the corner of being for like a minute, and I, I ask your patience with me, I will get to what it is that I'm trying to say. And so getting right into it, this is Pastor Russell's interesting Bible facts from the cutting room floor. And this is volume three. I got three of them for you this morning. And the first one is one that should be somewhat fresh in our memories. We're going to be talking a little bit about ascension. And that was only two weeks ago, so if I can remember it, then I'm sure that most of you can as well. Uh, And to get to what this fact is about ascension that I had to put on the cutting room floor, we actually are going to need to go to another passage in the Bible to kind of show what I mean. And that passage we've talked about a number of times in the past, but we didn't get to it this year. That passage is the Transfiguration. And now, raise your hand if you know what the Transfiguration story is before. Oh yeah, it's a good one. I recommend that you read it. In the story of the Transfiguration, what you get is Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They go on top of, I think it's called a tall mountain. You're supposed to get the feeling like it's a nondescript, but the tallest mountain you can possibly think of. And there... The wind comes upon Jesus and he is cloaked uh, in the glory of God. Not just cloaked in the glory of God, the glory of God pours out of him. It emanates from him. It shows us that this Jesus is of the same stuff of God. That's kind of what we're getting in that story. And Peter and James and John, they're just kind of just blown away by this. And then two men appear before Jesus in that story. One is Elijah, and the other is Moses, and those are an important duo when it comes to the Old Testament, because those two kind of represent what the Old Testament is all about. Moses is who led the Israelites out of Egypt, Uh, Moses is who gave the law to the Israelites, and Elijah, on the other hand, he lived during the time of the kings, and he's who showed the people of Israel that not only is there no God like our God, but our God is above all the other gods in all of existence. That's kind of what Elijah shows. And as you go through the New Testament, as you go through the Gospels, there are a lot of highlights that are drawn between Jesus and these two men. There's a lot of connections drawn between them, and that makes sense, because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus is the culmination of it. So you would expect that there would be connections between Jesus and Moses and Jesus and Elijah to really drive that home. And just a few examples, uh, you know a couple of these ones about Jesus and his connection to Moses, without a doubt. The first one comes to mind is in the story of his birth. You get Herod sent out all of the soldiers to kill all of the babies because he heard that there was a king that was coming to usurp him. Uh, In the same way with Moses, it was that Moses lived, was born during a time when Pharaoh sent all of his armies to kill all of the firstborn Israelites. Or later on in the story of the temptation, you get Jesus is uh, out in the wilderness for 40 days, standing strong against sin, standing strong against the devil. And in the same way with Moses, You get him in the wilderness uh, leading the Israelites as God would show him how to. And yet at the same time, the Israelites are always a little bit wanting to turn away from that path, a little bit wanting to go back to the captivity that they came from, and they did that for 40 years. There's a lot of those connections to Moses that we talk about regularly when we talk about Jesus. But there's also a number that are the connections to Elijah As well and the biggest of those you find in Ascension now just as a refresher for two weeks ago uh, in the story of the Ascension what you get is Jesus is blessing his disciples and then he is uh, while he is blessing them he's taken up into heaven uh, to be with God and if you're really wanting to do yourself a favor sometime you can open your Bibles to 2nd Kings chapter 2 And that is where you are going to be met with the story of Elijah and his most confusingly named apprentice, Elisha. And in that story, what you get is Elisha asks Elijah... uh, No. What you get in that story is is that Elijah asks Elisha... There you go. uh, He asks him if there's anything that he can give to him before uh, God takes him away. He knows at this point that his time on earth is small. And Elisha asks him for a double blessing of the, oh a double portion of the blessing of the spirit that Elijah had during his time on earth. And then after that, Elijah is taken up into heaven, his heart still beating as well, just like our Lord's was when he was taken up into heaven. There's this very strong parallel between these two. There's this very strong interconnection. And what that means is a wonderful thing for us. Because what is it that Jesus is blessing his disciples with? He's telling them that soon the Spirit of God will come upon them. Soon the Holy Spirit will come upon them and equip them to do all of things. So for that, that parallel being there, that connection being there, what that's also telling us is, is that the Holy Spirit being in us, we should think of in the same way as a double portion of what Elijah, the greatest of all prophets, in the old testament had himself and so you take that home when you are going out there and you are building the kingdom and you are doing god's work you are doing that with more power than the prophet elijah himself had that is fact one now fact two and here we're going to get into john the baptist oh we're going back a couple months for that i think we talked about him in december and january so if you don't remember much of what we talked about there don't worry because we're going to get to it here and john the baptist is someone that is much more important to the foundation of the church than we we tend to give him credit for i like john the baptist you can kind of get that every time i ever speak about him and who wouldn't like the guy he's he's this desert wild man who just kind of yells at passerbys that they need to be re- like they need to repent and be baptized because soon the Messiah is coming. He just does that over and over again while being this like ascetic that lives away from everybody, and that's a message that just really is appealing to the people of that time because before you know it, John has quite a large following. Like we're talking thousands of people by the time Jesus comes across them, but you might also realize that John only makes it about halfway through the Gospels. Uh, about at the halfway mark, that's when he tells off a local king uh, for the local king doing something rather sinful that we're not getting into today. You can look that up if you want to. Uh, but then the king's wife has him killed. Uh, and while that is a very hard part of the story, uh, that isn't actually the end of the movement of John. And this is an interesting thing, because we have writings from that time, and John's movement, like the people that followed John, John's disciples that spoke that message of repent and be baptized because soon the Messiah is coming, they actually go on well into the second century, uh, which is well after uh, Jesus Christ comes, and that entire time they're preaching that message of repent and be baptized because the Messiah is on his way And that's interesting for two reasons. It's interesting because first off, when you read the Gospels, uh, especially Luke and John, which is a different John, uh, there is an awful lot of talk of the connection between Jesus and John. They are uh, relatives, is one of the things. Jesus' message after uh, he goes and starts his ministry is repent and be baptized, because soon... The kingdom of God will be here because he is the Messiah and more than that John baptizes Jesus and sends him on his way and not just sends him on his way but refers to him as the Messiah it's very clear that John is passing the torch to Jesus in in their interactions there and then even after Jesus is baptized what happens God himself Claims in front of all of John's followers that this is the son of God. This is my son And so what you're getting there is these things all happen But it's also the reason they're really nailing home is for the same reason that we use the Gospels today because the Gospels are through and through all about showing people the Good news of our Lord, right? Like they are very purposely making that connection to John as a way of being an apologetic, as a way of telling the followers of John that this is the Messiah that you're preaching about. This is the one that you are to follow. It is an apologetic to convert the followers of John to the followers, like to become followers of Jesus. And I find that kind of neat, but not as neat as the next thing, which is the message that John is preaching the whole time. What is it? It's repent and be baptized because the Messiah is coming. It is a message that in every way, shape, and form paves the way for the Lord, paves the way for Christ and the message that he is bringing. And so by them continuing to peter on for a while, the followers of John don't get persecuted like the early Christians do. They kind of dwindle off but at the same time they don't have that active foot of powers that be on their neck like Christians do in the early church and so by them continuing on in whatever way that they are sharing that message they are continuing to pave the way for Christ to come into the lives of people that otherwise very likely he wouldn't And I kind of find that a little neat so that's part two that's that's a twofer there and now on to the third one and this one is about bread This is also going to be our last one for the day. Uh, And the thing about bread, as I drop this on the ground, is that bread, in that period of time, it's it's not a high-class food like we think of it today with our sourdough starters that we carefully tend uh, during the pandemic and now we struggle to keep up with because our lives have gone on. Um, Bread... During that period of time, it was a staple food. It wasn't something that, you know, you really cared about too much if you were, if you were the fancy sort of folk. It was that you ate bread with some, something, right? Like, if someone came to you, you gave them bread and something. If you were eating bread on your own, however, if that was the only thing that you had for that meal, well, then that was probably a good sign that you were pretty poor. And the reason why that is important is think now to the story of the road to Emmaus. What has Jesus offered there for food after a long day's journey uh, by the two disciples that the entire time that they're having that journey, they keep on saying about how Jesus revealed all of scripture to them. Their lives are changed on that journey. They invite Jesus into their home and what do they give them? They give them nothing but bread Which is an excellent sign that these two disciples are not doing too terribly well for themselves. They're on the poorer side of things, which probably explains also why there are two men that are living together that are not married or anything like that. They are not doing well enough for themselves for that to be the case. And that is a good thing to know because... It highlights a wonderful thing about Jesus following the resurrection because who is the first person that finds out who are the first people that find out about Jesus after the resurrection it's the women that go to the tomb and they're told by the angel what are you doing here because Christ is alive Christ is risen and that's a wonderful thing in itself because in that period of time in that uh, place women were kind of the bottom of society and so for them to be the first ones to find out this wonderful thing it shows us a little bit about what the coming kingdom is for the coming kingdom that sees the people that are on the bottom lifted high exalted shown our lord in ways that just before they never even thought possible and so then after that who are the first people that jesus sees It's these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And now what do we know about these two disciples on the road to Emmaus just because of the fact that they give nothing but bread to our Lord means that the first people that actually see Jesus after the resurrection are people that are poor as dirt. And I can't think of very much that shows who the coming kingdom is for quite as readily as that. But there's also something else you can do with bread. Uh, You can use it to time stories, and I find that kind of interesting as well. Uh, Bread takes a certain amount of time uh, to make. This is not a period of time where preservatives apart from salt exist. And so because of that, uh, whenever it is that you're going to make bread, you actually have to make it from scratch. You need to mix together your little bit of salt, your water, and your uh, flour. You need to leave it out somewhere so that it collects a a little bit of yeast from the air. They don't know what yeast is at this period of time. It's just kind (laughs) of something from the air, which is where yeast comes from. Uh, But uh, it's not just that they can readily uh, be like, here, here's some bread that I have cooked a couple days before. You can have this, because if you were going to do that, then, you know, Jesus would have chipped his tooth right then and there, because I don't know if you've ever had some simple sourdough bread like that that was a couple days old and then try to take a chomp out of it you will chip your tooth it's just like a rock you can drive a nail in with that thing and so what that means is well let's let's do a little bit of time math shall we the let's say that they left uh the two disciples left jerusalem to go home to emmaus at some point in the later morning something like that That's about a 17-kilometer journey from Jerusalem, from the walls of Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's kind of tricky ground, uh, which means you're not going to be walking terribly fast. And the disciples almost certainly aren't walking very fast themselves because we know that they're greatly burdened by all that has happened to Jesus over the last couple days. Uh, Sorry, like three days before. And then I think they also know from the women that the tomb was empty, and so they're kind of just all... In this place wondering what this is all about and so they're probably walking slow and then jesus comes alongside them and this stranger just starts sharing with them about all of the magic and mysteries of the universe and all of the truth in the gospels and the old testament and they're probably walking pretty slow so they get they make that trap and they they get there sometime before evening we know because they invite jesus to stay with them the night they're like ah the dark is going to be coming soon you want to stay with us the night Uh, And then they need to start making food for him, which means that they need to make the dough, they need to put it together, they need to light the fire, they need to put it in there. So that's going to take a couple hours, which means that finally when Jesus breaks that bread and then disappears, when they realize who this is, we're getting, it's almost no way that this is not in the night. And that is interesting because then what do these two do? They get up and they book it all the way back to Jerusalem. And I don't know if any of us lived in a time before cars. I know for a fact none of us did. But Rogue Bandit was 110% a real profession that people have been in for pretty much all of human history until cars came around. And that definitely was the case around Jerusalem as well which means that these two disciples were so excited having recognized jesus that they completely ignored the very real danger that was in them by going out into that darkness running to jerusalem and that is a wonderful sign because that is what jesus does in us when we truly come face to face doesn't it we just kind of run out there we just kind of need to do as he leads us but then It also means something a little bit more unfortunate for our Lord and Savior as well, because it means that they get to Jerusalem when it is dark. And it's probably quite late into the night as well. It's probably quite a bit after supper. And we know for a fact that they had fish for supper, because when Jesus appears before them, he asks for a little bit of fish to prove that he is not a ghost. And this is why it's a little bit unfortunate for our Lord and Savior, because it means after going through death itself, the first meal that he eats is room temperature fish. And that's just unfortunate, isn't it? But at the same time, I love studying the Bible. That is my third fact. And I love studying the Bible because no matter how deep you go, there are always things like this you can find just little tidbits that don't change what it is that the passage is about, that don't change what it is that the Bible is teaching, don't change what it is that the gospel is, but still make it come alive in ways that you didn't know before. And that's amazing to me. But speaking of bread, it is Communion Sunday. And so with that amazing segue... I'll ask that you take out your communion cups now. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, we read, starting in verse 23, For the tradition I received from the Lord, and also handed on to you, is that on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way with the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood whenever you drink it do this in memory of me whenever you eat this bread then and drink this cup you are proclaiming the lord's death until he returns mcgregor emc we believe that communion is open to all believers we do ask if you have little ones with you Parents, that you make the decision if they are at that place where they can take in the true weight of this symbol as well. Because the wonder of communion is is that in it, we are joined not just together in this room today, but also to the apostles, also to our Lord Jesus himself, and also to all of the Christians before us who have done this same thing, all of the ones that are across the world that do this same thing and all the ones yet to come until our Lord returns himself. I will say now, let's spend a couple moments in prayer with our Lord, preparing ourselves to meet him in this wonderful way. thank you for how you reveal yourself to us in new and exciting ways every time we go into it and as we join you now in communion lord we pray that it meets us in the exact same Together we, Mm -hmm. together with all the rest of the church. ask you, please join me now in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. everybody is invited to stay for the barbecue that is to come i think the final touches are being put putting that together so we can just kick around for a little bit we will pray when it is time to eat and then also for the activities of the afternoon as well which i am suspecting will be maybe outside maybe inside we're going to see how it goes but for our benediction today we take from the book of numbers may god bless you and keep you May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our Lord.